We Are One Body Audio Theater presents Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Episode 3, The Ghost of Christmas Present. Scrooge awoke in his bedroom. Well, there was no doubt about that. But it was toward his sitting room, attracted by a great light, that he shuffled his slippered feet. When he opened the door, he saw that the room had undergone a strange transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with green plants that it looked more like a forest grove. The leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light as if many little mirrors had been scattered there. And such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as had not been seen there for many a year. Heaped upon the floor were turkeys, geese, great joints of meat, suckling pigs, sausages, plum puddings, red-hot chestnuts, apples, oranges, pears, and great bowls of punch. Upon this mound of good cheer there sat a giant, glorious to see. He bore a glowing torch, which he raised up high to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peering round the door. <laughs> come in, come in and know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You have never seen the like of me before. Never. Have you never walked forth with the younger members of my family? My elder brothers born in these late years. I don't think I have. Have you many brothers, Spirit? <laughs> More than 1,800. A tremendous family to provide for. Spirit, conduct me where you will. If you have ought to teach me, let me profit by it. Take a hold of the sleeve of my robe. The room and its contents all vanished instantly. And suddenly, they stood in a very small, very crowded house on a Christmas morning. Invisible to the occupants, they watched the proceedings. A woman entered the room dressed in her Sunday best, a gown much mended and cared for. She helped her daughter to lay the tablecloth while one of her older sons plunged a fork into the potatoes to see if they were done. While this was happening, two small children came tearing in, screaming that outside they had smelled the goose cooking and had known it for their own. And basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, these young children danced about the table while the older boy continued to blow on the fire until the potatoes, bubbling up, knocked loudly at the saucepan lid to be let out and peeled. Whose house is this, spirit? Don't you know? It's your own clerk, Bob Cratchit's house. Oh, it's very small. Aren't we in the way? Oh, don't trouble yourself. They can neither see nor hear us. Now, now, children, settle down. What has ever got your precious father, then, and your brother, Tiny Tim? And where is your sister, Martha? She wasn't as late last Christmas Day. I'm here, Mother. Martha, Martha, come see. There's such a goose. You've never seen the likes of it before, Martha. Why, bless your heart, my dear. How late you are. We had a lot of work to finish up last night, and we had to clear it all away this morning. Well, never mind. So long as you've come. 
Sit down by the fire, my dear, and, and warm up. No, wait! Father's coming! Quick, hide, Martha! Hide! Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, love. Here, let me take Tim. Here you are, my dear. Mommy! Why, where's Martha? She should be here by now. Not coming. Not coming? Not coming on Christmas Day? <laughs> here I am, Father. <laughs> we got you. You thought she wasn't coming, didn't you, Daddy? <laughs> you got me fair and square. <laughs> All right, children. Let your father warm up. Here, Martha, take Tim and get him washed up. All right, let's go, little ones. Come on now. Come on, come on. Let's come go. on, Tim. Come see come the on. potatoes. Come on, let's go. Come on, come on. Let's go. And how did little Tim behave? As good as gold. And better. Somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things in the world. He told me as we were coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made the lame beggars walk and the blind men see. I really do think he's getting stronger every day. Don't you? Oh, Bob. Come on, Tim. You can sit right here. Oh, thank you, Betty. Here, Tim. Here's your stool. I'll take your crutches. Ah, thank you, Charlie. It was soon time for dinner. Bob turned up his cuffs and gave the punch a final stir. Master Peter and the other two young Cratchits went to fetch the goose, with which they soon returned in high procession. Mrs. Cratchit made the gravy hissing hot. Peter mashed the potatoes with incredible vigor. Martha sweetened up the applesauce. The two young Cratchits set chairs for everybody, not forgetting themselves. At last, the dishes were set on the table, and grace was said. For what we are about to receive, may, may the, the Lord, Lord make, make us truly thankful. thankful. Will you carve, my dear? With pleasure, my love. Ooh. Mm. Ah. Mm -hmm. Ooh. A triumph, my darling. I do not believe I have ever seen such a goose. Marvelous, mother. And so cheap. Amazing. Delicious. Yum, yum. When everyone had had enough, the youngest Cratchits in particular were steeped in sage and onion up to their eyebrows, Martha cleared the plates, and Mrs. Cratchit left the room alone to bring in the Christmas pudding. With a great puff of steam, the pudding came out of the mold. There was a smell like clean laundry and a smell like the pastry cooks next door. That was the pudding. In half a minute, Mrs. Cratchit entered, flushed but smiling proudly, with the pudding like a speckled cannonball blazing in ignited brandy with a sprig of Christmas holly stuck on top. At last, the dinner was all done, the cloth was cleared, the hearth swept, and the fire made up. The punch being tasted and considered perfect. Apples and oranges were put upon the table and a shovel full of chestnuts laid on the fire. Then all the Cratchit family drew around the hearth and sang a carol together. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. God bless us. God bless us, everyone. 
and I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. Ha! Huh, the founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon. And I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. <gasps> my dear. Well, I never. The children. Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, when we drink to the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know it, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink to his health for your sake and for the days, not for his. Long life to him, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and happy, I have no doubt. Spirit, how is it that the very mention of my name brings this family so low? It is as if I'm an ogre. Oh? And what have you ever done to make their Christmas the more merry? An excuse to pick a man's pocket every 25th of December. That's all it is to you, isn't it? Do not mock me with my own words, spirit. Ah, here, they are singing again. Why do you care if they sing? They are not a handsome family. They are not well-dressed. Their shoes are far from being new. Their clothes are old and worn. But they are happy, grateful, pleased with one another. They are contented. What ails Tiny Tim's spirit? What ails many a poor child? But he will be... He will be all right, won't he, spirit? If no change is made here, I see an empty stool by the fire and a pair of crutches, unused, in the corner. Oh no, spirit, it must not be. If he is to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Now you mock me. Come, we still have more to see before my time is up. Take my robe. It was a great surprise to Scrooge, as the scene in the Cratchits vanished, to hear a hearty laugh. It was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his own nephew's and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room with the spirit standing, smiling, by his side. There is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. When Scrooge's nephew laughed, Scrooge's niece by marriage laughed as heartily as he, and their assembled friends laughed out lustily as well. He said that Christmas was a humbug. As I live, he believed it too. More shame for him, Fred. Especially in humbugging an invitation from you, my dear husband. She is very cheeky. She is very pretty and very much in love to defend her husband so ardently. He's a comical old fellow, that's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. Ah, uh, but his offenses carry their own punishment. And I have nothing to say against him. Who suffers by his whims? Himself. Always. Here he takes it into his head to dislike us and won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence? I suppose he doesn't lose much of a dinner. On the contrary, my dear. I think he loses a very good dinner. Here, here. <laughs> a capital dinner. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. But come, let's have a game. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. How game. wonderful. What shall we play? How about that new game we tried at the Pevensies? Yes and no. Oh, yes. A capital game. Delightful. How do you play? I will think of something. 
and you all must guess at what it is. The catch is that I can only answer yes or no. Oh, what fun! Let's begin, shall we? All right, uh, let's see. <laughs> yes, I have it. Is it a living thing? Yes. Is it an animal? Yes. Is it a dog? Really, it's too soon to be guessing specifics. Oh, let him try. Fred, is it a dog? No. Is it a tame animal? No. Is it a savage animal then? Yes. Oh. Does it grunt and growl sometimes? Yes. Is it a bear? Nope. Does it live in a zoo? No. Is it a tiger? Really? But it doesn't live in a zoo. There aren't tigers in every zoo. Darling, is it a tiger? <laughs> no, no. Oh, I've got it. I know what it is. What is it's it? It's your Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> I knew it. Fred, you are terrible. Shouldn't you have said yes then when I asked if it was a bear? <laughs> a bear? Me, a bear. Yes, I suppose that is rather clever. I'm glad you think so. But we must leave now. So soon. Come, take my robe. Suddenly, Fred's drawing room was gone, and in its place was a windswept, open field covered in snow. Oh, how cold it is. Why have we left such a scene of warmth and merriment for a dreary place like this? Hear me. My time on this earth is expiring. Are spirits' lives so short? My life upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight. Tonight? This very night. And the time is drawing near. Forgive me if I'm not justified in what I ask, but I see something strange and not belonging to yourself, protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for all the flesh there is upon it. Look here. From the foldings of its robe, the spirit brought forth two children. Wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh, man, look here. Look, look down here. They were a boy and girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, and wolfish. Where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints, a stale and shriveled hand, like that of age, had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Scrooge started back appalled. Having them shown to him in this way, he tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be parties to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Spirit, are they yours? They are man's. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written which is doom unless the writing be erased. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Oh, spirit, how can you use my own words against me? 
Cover them up! I wish to see them no more! And Scrooge covered his face and turned away. When he looked back, he was alone. Away across the field, in a tiny church alone upon the hill, a bell struck three. And suddenly, he was alone no longer. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, Scrooge remembered the prediction of Jacob Marley, and, lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground toward him. That was Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Episode 3, The Ghost of Christmas Present. Adapted for audio by Gretelyn Darkey. Directed by Gretelyn Darkey and John Watechko, and produced by Thomas Marinchek. The cast, in order of appearance, was Dennis Jurors as the narrator, Scott Walton as the Ghost of Christmas Present, Paul Guggenheimer as Ebenezer Scrooge, Dana Rizzo as Mrs. Cratchit, Jules Collins as Martha Cratchit, Xavier LaFosse as the first Cratchit child, Lily Kenyon as the second Cratchit child, Albert Sines as Bob Cratchit, Gino Tiedemann as Tiny Tim, Isaac Crom as Peter Cratchit, Peter Wetechko Jr. as Fred, Trina Kenyon as Fred's wife, Michael Steele as Fred's first friend, Anna Navarre as Fred's second friend, Mariah Betts as Fred's third friend. Our audio technicians were Joseph Adams, Jacob Gorsuch, and Thomas Marinchek. Foley and sound design by Joseph Adams and Jacob Gorsuch. The music was composed by Gretel and Darkey and John Wachechko and mastered by Joseph Adams. I Wonder As I Wander was sung by Finn O'Hara. This audio adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol is a production of We Are One Body Audio Theatre.